Welcome to the Death Dialogues Project Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Odd Jennison, and I can guarantee you that you will be a better human for listening to these stories. Thanks for being here. On May 20th, 2014, Susan's world came crashing down. Her 54-year-old husband passed unexpectedly of a heart attack. The years since have been a whirlwind of emotion, trauma, and joy. Yes, she said joy, thanks mostly to the birth of her grandchildren. Over the next five years, Susan experienced additional heartache following the death of her dad and both of her brothers. She knew her only way to make sense of all of her grief was to find a way to use her experiences to help others. So, armed with a coaching certificate, her learned experience, and inspiration, she set out to help the grieving. Initially, Evolve was created as a site to support others moving forward on their path after bereavement. Yet in time, Susan recognized that the emotional and financial toll created by death is often made more overwhelming because society shuns all aspects of death. In order to make a truly positive impact, we must shatter the taboo about death. Welcome to Cold Blue, an annual day dedicated to conversation and education about all things death. Susan encourages collaboration and dialogue, so please reach out to her at Evolve Beyond Grief on her website, Facebook, and Instagram. Let's normalize death before it kills you. I'm so happy to have Susan sharing her story today. You'll hear in depth how deeply death has touched her and how beautifully she has been transformed. Thanks for being here. Hello, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Becky. So I'm not sure how much you've heard of our um, podcast episodes, but really we start them all basically the same. And that's uh, with the great leveler, the stories of people's own interaction with death and loss. And so if you wouldn't mind, but also maybe telling people where you're at in the world is always interesting as well. And then just sharing your story would really appreciate that. Sure. So I'm actually um, born and raised and living in Toronto, Canada. Um, My main story around death and grief is um, in 2014, my 54-year-old husband um, suddenly passed from um, a heart heart attack. And um, that started my journey um about grief and death and dying because i was in complete shock it it was absolutely not expected we'd been dancing at a wedding that weekend and um i had to you know deal with that and um i have three adult children who all had to be called back um I only had one who was living at home at the time, but she happened to be in Israel. She had just got there. So we had to bring her home. And um, that's the initial story, I guess. 
Um, sadly, unfortunately, my, my father at the time had been very sick. He was going through cancer treatment and, um, he passed away about, um, a year or so after that. And, um, I mean, he was older and it was the right order in terms of how it's expected, but obviously he was my dad. So unfortunately about six months after that, my brother suddenly very unexpectedly also died. Um, he went to the hospital because he was having pain and, um, he had passed away as well, leaving his very young widow and eight-year-old son, um, that I had to help, um, help them get through all of the stages and, and all of the trauma of, of unexpected death. And then to continue the saga of my life, um, Shortly, even before my father passed, but certainly very quickly afterwards, we we realized there was something that wasn't right with my brother. Actually, while my father was in the hospital, my brother was brought into the hospital. And while he was there, um, I convinced his heart doctor to have him assessed. And it turned out after um, studying him from a few places that what my brother was going through was incredibly unexpected, but it was early onset Alzheimer's. And so after losing my husband and my father and my brother, I was still left with dealing and taking care of um, all that's included um, for my brother who had early onset Alzheimer's and he passed away about a year and a half ago, thankfully, just before COVID began. So it's been quite a whirlwind of my life going from very complete and full with, you know, children and a dog and a husband and all that that entails to um, a very quiet life that was even brought to more silence during COVID. And that's where we are today. Oh, my goodness. As you're telling this, I'm just, I hope this doesn't sound inappropriate, but I'm just envisioning this death tornado to skipping through your life. That is staggering the amount of loss. I am so sorry. Thank oh. you. It's, it's very hard. And during COVID, my poor mother, who is you know, she just turned 92. She gets mad at me for saying it, but if you look like her at 92, you would <laughs> be as proud as can be. But she actually found a boyfriend partner um, uh -oh. after my father passed. And unfortunately he passed away at the beginning of COVID as did both of her sisters within two days oh of each goodness. other. So we've just been on a massive journey of living through death because, you know, it's not just surviving, but we have to continue living. So it's, it's been a lot as my friend, but let me just say and put it out there that since my husband's passed, I have been blessed with six grandchildren. 
all incredible and wonderful. And as my friends always say, I'm calling them about the worst, the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. And I don't seem to have much in between. Mm. Yes, I hear you. Oh, my goodness. Well, you have such breadth to your, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm researching you after you contacted me and looking and I'm imagining the story surrounding your um, husband's death, but didn't realize the depth of how death returned over and over and over again after that. That just is a softer way of saying it. I like that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm actually just having to gather myself a little bit with it. I was noticing while you're saying it, that I was having to regulate my breathing just to take on um, that empathy of what, what that journey must have been like. And, you know, each one so great and impactful. What I've learned, and, and, and I really learned this when I became a widow, is we sort of think once we have a huge loss that it will protect us from more pain. Absolutely. The magical thing. Like we're Teflon. Yep. And I have found, I mean, thankfully not for everyone, but for many, many people, either you then go into this circular cycle, as you know, of more death or just other tremendous um, losses, be it your home, your whatever, just major issues seem to come in bulk. It's You're never protected. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think the magical thinking can even go so far as just thinking like, okay, the worst has happened. We'll be safe now you know, or we'll get a break. Um, But I think what you're describing in part might be because if we walk into death with our hearts and our eyes and our souls wide open and our processing it and, and with your intense loss of your husband in 2014, um, probably being a huge wake up call for you in that way. And I know because you started a project that, you know, that's the kind of person at some level that you are. It just does not allow you to um, escape or to turn your back or to go in, you know, just minimally engaged with the other deep losses that occur in your life then. Mm-hmm. Because death transforms us really when we engage fully in it, really. Mm. Because even people, as you know, I'm sure you've experienced, even people with close members of their family dying can find a way to just hide in the basement or in the attic or in the background, you know, and not fully engage, right? Absolutely. And and, I mean, what I haven't told you or shared is that um, um, six weeks after I got married, I got married very young at 21 and six weeks after I got married, my favorite best friend in the world, my husband's brother, who was 18 and the best man at our wedding, um, 
was killed in a car ca- crash. So that was, you know, aside from grandparents and different people that, again, there's a life order that had already transformed me because it allowed me to understand some of the, some of the um, reactions I was going to have to losing my husband and also how to provide my children with some knowledge of anticipating next steps. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So one that yes. I remember so strongly, um, I'm Jewish. So we have what's called a shivas where you sit for seven days and, and before COVID and people come to the home and they talk to you and they just um, help you through the seven days. Mm-hmm. And I remember so strongly, I mean, it was so long ago, decades ago, but I remembered that feeling after the seven days, you leave the house and you walk around the block, which is very significant that you're re-entering the world because you've been protected like in a womb. And I remember so strongly when I walked around the block thinking, what's happening here? Cars are driving and people are going yes. to work and buses are running and my world ended. Why hasn't the world stopped? And it was such a huge smack in the head for me that I remembered it. And I, and I was, I remember telling my children, you're going to walk around the block now. And I need you to understand the world hasn't stopped. And, and Mm. it was, I mean, it was so significant for me, that feeling that I remembered it and I could use some of the, the, memories and, and, you know, that I learned to try to support my, my children. That is profound. Yes. Now, just to clarify when, with sitting Shiva for seven days, um, in the Jewish tradition, the, the body is buried very quickly though, right? Is that right? And so the Shiva is actually, tell me who's involved. With the sh- who who sits um, Shiva with you? The, who sits Shiva? I mean, I'm not an expert, but <laughs> I've become one, I guess. No, like um, in your experience, how did you? Yeah, yeah. is um, the person who's died their parents, children, siblings, and spouse? Okay. So it's my parents would not have sat. But that being said it's an open home because it's typically in someone's house and everybody in the community who wants anyone is welcome to come during specified hours to come and talk, have a drink, have a memory, you know, bring a meal. It's very, you know, meals are set and planned so that the people who are sitting Shiva sit down to a, a meal and aren't required to do any of those general jobs. And then there's all kinds of traditional rules about, you know, cutting hair and things like that, that are also added to it and praying and all the rest. But it's really good because it, especially for me, because I was in such shock when my husband passed. I, I mean, it, it, it just grounded, it just gave me a week. And then, and then act, actually after the week, there's 30 days that you do other rules and then up to 11 months, you continue in this stage. I mean, as you're slowly coming out into society, I think it's fabulous. And I think it's uh, another loss that we've all experienced during COVID because clearly none of that can happen. Mm. 
Well, thank you for sharing. I didn't realize how profoundly that was um, at, that that ceremonious addressing of the seven days and then 30 days and 11 months. I really, gosh, I appreciate that honoring of what death does to a person and a family and making space for that. I think it's wonderful. I mean, I have a many, many friends who don't do it all and some who clearly do it better than I do or, or more stringent. Mm. But I think it, it really, for me, I find it a huge benefit. I can see that I could, I could easily want to adapt the seven days <laughs> in my life. I, you know, I just see how the therapeutic value of that. Wow. Well, I wanted to, um, you know, I think it's, it's easy to just use the word widow and, you know, my husband died. I want to hear, tell us about him. Make, yeah, paint the picture of, I read a little bit about your early relationship and, and, um, and I know I don't want to, um, pull on your heartstrings too much, but what you're comfortable just to give us a little bit of an insight about, about my husband. husband. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Well, we met when I was 14 and he was 15 and started dating seriously when I was 16. And, uh, he was, you know, he was my guy. I mean, we were a team forever. Um, and um, he became a dentist and um, very, very busy, <laughs> worked crazy, insane hours, um, partnered with his father. So we're very, very family oriented. And um, he was um, just a really good guy. He would work into the night to do whatever he needed to do. So he would be available for anybody else. He, he didn't believe in ever um, saying, no, I can't, I'm too busy, you know, I'm, whatever. That wasn't in his jargon. <laughs> and um, he's just so sadly missed. My daughter is a creative um, branding expert. She mm-hmm. actually made a book for her two siblings and I, which now has gone to the whole family because everybody's printing it, um, that she did as a labor of love that has, it's, I don't know, maybe 20 pages. I'm not sure how many pages it is with just little bit of rhymes and an illustration that she drew on each page. And the purpose of that book is so that, um, as my children have their children, they can read this book to them and they learn little snippets about their grandfather that, you know, become longer stories because it it creates memories and things like that. And so in the book, it's a wonderful book. And they, you know, it says that his favorite color was orange and he happened to be born on Halloween and he loved ice cream and, you know, golf and sports and all the typical male things. But this book is just it's very, very special. And, and that's, um, that's also learned because I had lost my brother-in-law that how the value and importance of memories to the point where my kids, um, really believe in, um, sharing memories and talking about them. All of their kids who are five and under all know 
about their grandfather who passed and, you know, and um, stories about him. That is beautiful. That yeah. is a wonderful idea. Mm. It's really special. Yeah. We tried to do, you know, i had bears made stuff, animals made bears for each of the, my kids made with all of his clothing and things just to have memories in the house so that the stories can continue and, and he's not forgotten. Mm, lovely. So now like in the seventh year past his death, how's your heart doing now? How's my heart doing now? Well, it will related be seven. To, related it will be to seven him. on May 20th. Yes. And I do believe, you know, I went from <laughs> death to death to death and, and some all very difficult because I was very, very involved in helping afterwards, but all, you know, different, different kinds of deaths and different relationships. And I do think that COVID being alone, because I'm alone in my home and we have a lot of lockdowns in, in uh, Ontario, Toronto, especially it's a big city. Mm -hmm. um, all of this time has actually forced me to probably stop and um, accept the reality of my situation and to accept, um, you know, what the future may bring. I seem to have gone, as I always say, you know, when I lost my husband, I thought I was alone. <laughs> and then I lost my rocks, which were my father and my two brothers. I mean, they really were my rocks. And then COVID happened. So I keep being almost, I see it like a funnel. I keep being pushed further and further into the end of the funnel where I'm alone. Thank God I have my dog and I have children and I have friends and I have everything, but I am alone. You know, nighttime comes, I go to bed alone. You know, something breaks in the house. I may swear at my husband, but I'm alone. And um, I've really feel that in some ways my heart's a little more tender now because I've finally stopped and give allowed it to um breathe. I don't know what a heart does, but I've allowed I've listened to my heart, I think. Before I was sort of running like a surgeon and I was just doing next steps, whatever needed to be done. But now thankfully there hasn't been any more death for the last little while. And I've and I've been and I've been forced to sort of live within myself and slow down and think and think about how I feel and next steps and reality of my situation. Mm -hmm. COVID's been and has that space. Me. Yeah. Sounds, it sounds like it's been very trying as it has for all of us within the pandemic and um, North Americans specifically in my world. Um, the loves of my life over there, you know, it feels especially trying to be separated from them and understand all the constraints you all have been through. But also I feel like I'm hearing it's given you a, a opportunity to really sit and may, maybe keep you from being in that helping mode as much and sit with your own story a bit. I'm, I'm one of those people that's go, 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 go. 
Yeah. And at some point when you're in COVID and you're in lockdown, even when you're trying to go, 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 you can't. <laughs> and you mm. have to stop and think. And um, and also you, you know, I know this, but it, it really hits home that no matter how much others care about you or love you or think about you, it, it's you're on your own. Yeah, you really are. And that's, it's hard to accept. It's hard to face. And I, and I have um, a few friends who also are widowed or divorced, who I see also having a lot of emotions coming up. And I really think it's because we're facing reality. Yeah. And I guess what I'm hearing is, is a point that I, I agree with as well, that ultimately pandemic or not pandemic, there's the reality that we are who we have to count on more than very much. Yes. Yes. Okay. And also, you know, I wrote about this, that post COVID post pandemic, which you know, I pray will be sooner than later for everyone. Yes. People's lives will go back to Saturday night out and whatever, you know, they're excited for that. But for people who are alone, it goes, it's a different end. We're still alone. We're still searching for that Saturday night friend to hang out with or, hoping that your couple friends remember you and, and include you. It's, it's different than, um, it's just different. You know, the, 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 um, COVID actually leveled the playing field for us in terms of the fact that everybody was home on a Saturday night and they had time to zoom with you. It, it was different. It, 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 it's, you know, that's how the only way I can explain it is that the playing field was leveled and people were, home. Mm. Much like loss and grief and death level when people can't, you know, you can have the, you can have the easiest quote unquote life or the most privileged life or relatively few struggles. But when your heart gets pulled out of your body because of intense loss that levels the playing field and um, death does that. But Absolutely. COVID, COVID has leveled in another way. Yeah. Absolutely. And when and when you meet someone who's had tremendous loss, you just have a bond, a sisterhood. And and part of that actually has to do with, you know, the work that I'm doing, um, or I'm hoping to do with Evolve, just um, um having death um you know, the shatter the taboos about death. So either we can educate others to understand better so that they stop saying silly things and, and, you know, and stop running from us. I find, I mean, the people almost run from me in a way because they don't want to be sad. And I'm not sad. I I have fun. I giggle. I laugh. I, I have a lot of happiness in my life, but people are afraid of, um, you know, it's like you have in the olden days, you would wear black and, you know, be, be um, I mean, in the olden days, you were ostracized sometimes for being a widow. Thankfully, now that's not 
what happens, but there's remnants. Yes, I, I sometimes think, and I've heard other people say that as well, that we wish we had the black armbands, but you're right. I wonder how many of those black armbands back in the day just moved people to the other side of the street when they saw For one sure. coming. You know, I, sure. I, I very much doubt it was a magnet of people gravitating <laughs> towards a person wearing a black armband wanting to 100%. know how their heart was. A hundred percent, unless they just wanted to, um, you know, the, those people with the puppy dog eyes who you get, who just want to hear your story just because they, that's it. They, they want to move on. They're not interested in staying, but they like to hear your story so they can um, almost tell the next person that they know your story. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's very strange. Mm-hmm. So with COVID, do I understand that that inspired you to develop um, some sort of an outreach or aspect of Evolve? Yeah. So I had been thinking for a few years, I, I kept thinking, okay, I need to move on with my life. I need to grow. I need to help others. And then I kept getting smacked with another major death, which sort of brought me down again. And almost to the point where I started being afraid to move forward, thinking it was like some ominous thing that once I, but I got past that. And um, originally what I had hoped to do and what I thought and began was evolve for widows. And that was because I know widows best. I thought it would be a place to, um, for widows to come together to elevate each other and, and um, help one another move forward with whatever that is uh, appreciating and accepting, you know, when you slide backwards or, or there's a sad day, but sort of a sisterhood. Um, but as I continued, I realized that, um, you know, I got more and more involved and I'm reading all the social media platforms and I'm, and I saw that over and over again, people for whatever loss they were grieving human loss. I'm not talking about, you know, a dog or a house, not that I have anything wrong with dogs. I love them. Um, but they, um, were coming onto social media to strangers to talk about their loss and their memories and their grief because one after another, they kept saying, I have no one to talk to my coworkers, my friend, whatever are telling me to quote, get over it. Or I'm, I don't want to burden my children with my, with my pain because they're moving on. And I, I came to realize that, um, Evolve isn't, isn't only for widows. It's really for anyone who's experiencing grief. And what I want to do is there's wonderful sites out there for people who are grieving. There, there was many and they're wonderful, what I really want to do and what needs to be done is we need to shatter this taboo about death so that people no longer think it's appropriate to tell someone, get over it. And they understand that oftentimes, you know, if, if, if there's a trick, like for me personally, I couldn't have a trigger. It could be a song that comes on, or I can be walking by something that reminds me if I'm just allowed to say, oh, that just reminded me of my brother or whatever. And I can say that 
feeling safe and secure and loved with my memory, that's all I need. And I can just continue on. But if I have to take that thought and suppress it because I'm not comfortable with the reaction I'm going to get, then it becomes a whole thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. If you just let that elephant come out, then it's out. But if you have to suppress it, it, be, it grows and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So my dream in life is to um, even have a day where everyone talks about death. And, and talking about death means talking about euthanasia and it means talking about suicide and it means talking about what to say and what not to say to someone. And it talks about writing a will. I mean, it's talking about death. Um, and I just believe that just like we are conquering so many other taboos, sorry, like, um, you know, um, cancer and sexual discrimination and mental health. Well, we should be conquering the taboo against death because it really is the only taboo we shall all experience and share. So it's a huge task. (laughs) I need lots of people to help me, but, you know, step by step, I truly believe that if we're, if I'm really going to make a difference and help people who are grieving, then we need to start at the basics, which is education. Well, and here we are together because that's basically what this project was born from as well is a hundred percent. Yeah. Getting the those conversations out of the closet and um, by you and others sharing your stories um, openly. And, and like you say, there's so many beautiful projects out there. It's a, I just, in the past couple of years, I've just seen the wave of um, death positivity and normalizing death and grief and loss and death practices is because, I mean, it's happening. Uh, there was there was a time in my practice that I used breathwork a lot with my clients before breathwork was even talked about. And I used to tell them that one day this will become such the norm that you will be reading about it in your mainstream magazines. And I mean, that day is here and still, you know, it's been here for a while. And I believe firmly that's where we are with these conversations about death is there's it's, it's happening. We're in that groove and we just need to keep holding it up and highlighting it. But I want to comment, you know, on the other hand, as you say, um, I don't want to have to not talk about it because that person's going to be uncomfortable. I do want to say we do also need to give ourselves permission that we can choose when to talk about it and not talk about it and not talking about it because it's protecting our tender hearts and because we don't have the gumption to get into some else, somebody else's discomfort in a given moment is perfectly fine too. We don't, right. We don't have to be the warriors hundred percent of the time because as I'm sure you can speak to, you know, and, and with your complicated grieving that I know has happened with these multiple deaths in your family and your primary relationship, 
you know, the waves hit and there's days I just have to kind of check out, you know, of, of death immersion because yeah, it's about self-care too, isn't it? Oh my goodness. That's, that's become a huge part of, it took me a long time to realize that back in the days I was lonely. My most lonely feelings were in large gatherings, such as weddings. That's when I felt most alone in the world. And it took me, actually, I have one beautiful friend who said to me, if you're not comfortable, do not come and I'll get it. I understand. And and that gave me the courage to say to other people, you know, maybe not, or I would leave quickly. You know, I'd come, I'd go, and then I'd leave because it was just so uncomfortable for me. But it takes courage to do that. And what I believe is, again, if people were educated, maybe it wouldn't take us such great courage because maybe it would be more understood and accepted instead of me having to explain and, you know, in detail, but it's all about, it is about, um, self-love and, and self-caring and I'm learning. I, I mean, <laughs> you would think I just began this, but I'm really, I'm learning to hear those little voices and, and listen to them. Well, it's a, a, a huge act of self-compassion and especially in an area that we may not be getting it from other people so much. That's for sure. sure. We darn sure need to do it for ourselves. And, you know, I frequently say that, um, that death has taken me apart and put me back together differently. And yes. I feel there's a lot of social situations that it's just who I am now. I, I just sometimes don't have a lot of tolerance for just complete superficial conversation. I'm, I'm applauding you right now. Yes. Those luncheon dates where everybody's talking about their latest, I don't know, whatever. And I'm like, Oh yeah. my God, there's gotta be more important things in my, you know, my, my breath on this earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, easy for us when we feel that way to maybe feel a bit of guilt and, um, Oh, you know, am I just dragging this on? But it's not that it's that I'm, I'm different now. And I appreciate heart to heart connection with people. I appreciate conversations about the real. That doesn't mean that we have to sit around and talk death about death constantly, but it's just, you know, talking about and connecting on a level that's really um, just, just really filling time. You know, that's what happens a lot in social situations. People are so uncomfortable and, and so reluctant to share deeply that they just really feel, fill time. Yes. Superficial conversation. Yeah. Yes. Gosh, I sound elitist. I don't mean it to sound that way, but, but um, yeah, but that's how we have to take care of our hearts and how are we, have to decide how we're going to walk on in this world. Hey, it, it's taking care of our hearts. It's taking care of others. It's, it's, it's um, a pre, you know, I find that when I tell people that I want to talk about death and, and that's what I want to, you know, shatter the taboo, the whole bit. It's also because I think when you learn about death or are smacked in the head by it, you learn to appreciate life. And I think 
that the two go together. I have such a more um, appreciate, I think everyone during COVID has now become, um, you know, appreciate family and, and um, a hug and things like that. And, and certainly I know with the loss of so many in my life that when I find people that feel right, I just appreciate them and want to be with them and not be with the other people who are friends of friends of friends that I'm just there for whatever reason. I just, everything is just more, um, I don't know what the word is just, I just know that I want to appreciate the good and I want to really live my life. So I have a name for it and I call it full spectrum living. (laughs) Explain it. Full spectrum, like death has opened me up to full spectrum living, which is actually letting my heart feel and my eyes see and my mind um, really process the very hard things in the world, the difficult things in the world. Sometimes I can't stand there, stay there too long or, or in a day to day, if we talk about mindfulness and being in the moment seeing those things in my own life, while also every shade of color in between to ecstasy and total elation. And to me, so many of us were trained culturally to only look about the top 50%. We're always striving for the good the better, the best, the wonderful. Toxic the positivity, right? Yeah. And and that's fine if it gets you through a day or whatever, and you're mindfully doing that, right? Because that's what I mindfully have to do because I have so much of um, this other, you know, whatever we want to call it, shadow, uh, dark trauma. It could be trauma in the moment, uh, trauma revisiting. You know, it's okay if you're doing that for yourself medicinally. It's about the awareness of it, isn't it? It's about um, knowing that I'm acknowledging the full spectrum, everything that's going on, and not um, living a life of avoidance. I don't want to talk to that person because they're they're um, just had a death, and I can't go into that direction. On the other hand, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm very self-protective. There's times I may not feel like it's in my healthy, my nature, you know, the, um, highest good for my health and that day to immerse myself in death that day, but it's the awareness of it. It's just being aware. And I think again, generally we're just programmed as humans, um, to not be aware. And to just try to get on that escalator going up, up, up to better, better, better. And appreciating the small things. And also I find um, I've become more aware. And I think this is probably, I, I assume it's pretty normal of many of my triggers. And I can either walk into one knowing I'm going into it, but I will survive everything and I will just dip my toe in and then leave. Or um, I don't want to 
deal with that trigger today. Because sometimes a trigger is cathartic almost. But what I've learned and what I tell so many people constantly is um, thinking about the triggers, like the milestones for days before, is much more difficult than actually being in the moment in that day. So I'm learning more about me and, and, and what sets me off and what I can do to help myself. You, I, you know, my son wanted a paper. And I kept avoiding looking for it because I knew, I knew it was going to be in this whole collage of papers that I have. And it was going to be a very um, emotional read. But then after a couple of days, I said, you know, today I feel like doing that. I feel like going through those papers. I want to see them and I may cry a little, but I'm in charge of what I'm doing. And it was okay to do it. it it's all about me listening to self-love, you know, listening and, and, and deciding and, and being in charge of me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you illustrated it like that because it is about, you know, we're very binary thinkers. And um, I think a lot of people just on the surface of a project like yours or mine thinks would think that we expect that the right thing is to be totally immersed in the hard all the time. And, and that's a perfect example of, um, honoring yourself. It's about, but it's also about honoring yourself with eyes wide open. And that doesn't happen overnight. Like you said, you, you have to work at recognizing those triggers. I mean, that's, that's your inner work, isn't it? Of, oh, okay. I'm noticing when the smell comes or the season comes, or when I walk by this place, it's, um, you know, it's really bringing me back to a space and time that wrenches my heart. Um, some people, it may give them a full-blown panic attack, you know, where that has to be unpacked. And, um, you know, why is that happening? So, and then deciding. Mm -hmm. deciding. And I also think, and it probably has to do with time, that I can also change my perspective and something that maybe, I mean, they still make me, the word isn't sad, maybe bittersweet, but now I'm like, I can be, I want to keep those memories. So I'm happy that I just heard that song because mm -hmm. although it reminds me of somebody that I've lost, I mean, every day is someone's birthday or anniversary or something of one of the people I've lost. It's getting a little insane, but I, I welcome that because I'm embracing the memories and the love and the positive feelings that I had then, as opposed to the perspective of just being depressed about it. I've, I'm changing. And I think Beautiful. it's not every day that I do that, but there are definitely days, you know, my daughter has specific songs. She'll call me and say, oh, I heard that song again. And I'll say to her, but doesn't it give you comfort to know that you and daddy used to listen to it together and turn up the radio and like try to be into that? I'm trying to sort of not, not again, I don't believe in toxic positivity at all. I, I, I'm actually completely against it. But memories are beautiful and, and we grab them and we want them. So I want to keep them all. It, it, I'm, all, you know? Well, what you're speaking to is 
is connecting with the love that grief is born out of. You know, you're only profoundly grieving because you profoundly love these people, right? Exactly. Um, and otherwise, it's just, you know, there can be deaths that that hurt us and that we, you know, for a couple of days really sit with us. But it's it's those past, those that's a different thing. And then the and great don't profoundly change your life. You know, the yeah. loss of a husband, eh, your entire life, your future is changed. Absolutely. It's really wiped and out. It's be- and, and it's born out of deep love. And that's what I'm hearing you talk about is that paradigm switch, which I do think takes time in people's processes. And maybe some never really make that connection. But I, I agree. That's been very healing for me to remember that this deep, deep um, feelings I have that sometimes feel absolutely horrible, I wouldn't have them if I hadn't loved so deeply. And that's still where the love lives, right? Exactly. And that's yeah. what I remember all the time. I'm so blessed that I had such wonderful people in my life that I love so much. But, you know, the more you love the more pain you have to now, I, I understand I will experience in life. You know, it, it's, it's a strange thing how life works. I, I find it so strange. And I remember actually, again, when my brother-in-law passed and I was 21, I remember when we went to the funeral, a, um, a rabbi was talking and I don't remember much about what he said, but I remember so clearly that he started on this path of um, something about, wouldn't it have been better had you never had met him, had you never known him? And I was shaking my head, no. And he said, right, because experiencing the pain and the grief of death is worth it for those that you love so much. And I always think about that, that, that you know, you don't feel this kind of, exactly what you were saying, you don't feel this depth of pain unless you were blessed to love so much. And it's, it's one of the odd, strange lessons of life. Yeah. So I have to ask you, because I like to ask people and not forget, with all of your loves that you have on the other side or whatever your belief system is, do you ever feel any sense of connection now? That's funny you should say that. So I... Um, now I was just told by someone who, um, interviewed me that she needed me to understand that my husband is trying to put his arm around me and I need to accept and feel it and, and listen to it. So I do try to stop sometimes cause I'm busy with my life. Like I'm, I'm a constantly busy person and just slow down and feel it. But um, um, there have been others that have for sure, unquestionably, um, spoken to my husband in the last little while. For me, oddly, I started taking up yoga, which I'd never done before um, when he passed. And at the end of every class, he used to be there. And I'm like, here, you, you didn't even know me as a person who did yoga. So it was a very weird experience. And I used to just lie there and be so happy because there he was hanging with me. Um, but that, do you know why that was? 
Huh. You're talking about during Savasana when you're laying yeah, down yes, yes, and center. Exactly. Because every if you d- die, deep dive into the subject, they always talk about the fact that for that connection, you have to be still. And, oh you know, God. they talk about pract- the more you meditate, like people that are really, really trying to get in that realm of like mediumship or whatever, they're meditating many times a day. So I, that, I'm sure that's why that was, because there you were. Because you're busy, 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 busy. Yeah. Well, because you're so busy that, that you know, if, if we're going to get behind this philosophy, right, you're so busy, the, the, the thought would be that, um, it, you know, it's hard to, for them to break through that vibration of busyness. But then he, he, one day he just left. I saw him leave and he never came back during yoga. Oh, and it was like, bless. at first I used to look around thinking, is it, do other people see this? Am I insane? And I didn't tell a person. Um, and then I finally told my cousin who did a lot of explaining of a lot of things to me. And it really, really made sense to me. And I was incredibly thankful for all of her knowledge but then that was it. And it was gone. Oh. And um, I'm just trying to think about my brothers and my father. And no, I don't think I've ever, but they come in my memories and my thoughts so often, so often. I cannot imagine that it's not them yeah. triggering things. Like I, I do believe, you know, and I definitely believe we're all energy and that there's energy all around us and that their souls are very much still here. And I'll see little things that my kids or my grandchildren do. And I know, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of him in them. I know that. And it kind of rolls back to love and being that open, right? So you're just open. You're open to when their love shows up or when they, when they show up, whatever that is, what, you know, that, whatever that great mystery is. Well, I have loved this chat with you and I would love for you to share a little bit before we wrap um, with our listeners about what it is you're doing and where they can find you. Okay. Oh, thank you. So I'm, um, I'm on a website where there, I post some blogs that I write for various um, organizations and that's evolved beyond grief. And, um, I'm most active like most people on Instagram, um, and Facebook, but Instagram really is where I'm active. And, um, it's a, it's a nice community, but, um, my greater dream again in life is to continue, um, working toward some kind of, um, shattering the taboo, working together with others who are interested so we can, we can, um, work together to come up with ideas of how to do it. I'm also going to be hosting some death, uh, cafes, I think on clubhouse, because that's an opportunity for people who want to talk about death, but really aren't usually grieving to have an opportunity to talk and ask questions or just you know, think about the things that they're um, thinking about death, because I find that once you do have a great loss and you're grieving, you're much more open to talk about death. And I'm also trying to reach people who aren't thankfully grieving 
but may have a curiosity or a question or a thought. And, and um, so I thought the death cafes may be a great way to start that too. So I'm just, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm really just sort of open to any, um, any ideas that will work together to do exactly what we're doing now to talk, to open up, to have a dialogue, to meet someone who really is on, I feel like I've met my kindred spirit, you know, who's on my team and gets it. And, and we work together just to make the world a little more death oriented, (laughs) positive death oriented, if that makes sense. Yes. Death, death literate. Yeah. And I think it sounds like the name for your project, the overriding name evolve is perfect because if you're like me in this project, you know, it will evolve as, as you evolve. And, um, it's, it's beautiful to have that freedom and that ability to meet needs as they come up and where you see. So I really look forward to following what you're doing. Thank you. So open and easy to talk to and, and um, great at filling in the words and the thoughts. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I'm wishing you all the best on your journey and um, for your heart and um, love to stay in touch. I would love that. And, and again, I'm sorry for all your loss too. Thank you so much. You take good care. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.